When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and uh, thanks for coming in for the new episode. Um, I got a really cool guest for you guys today. I got a really cool interview. Um, before we get started, though, just want to uh, thank you guys all for reaching out to me in the past week or so since I told you about my brand new restraining order. Um, it has been tough. Uh, I am now two weeks with missing my kids. Um, this all coming after 42 days, almost a year ago of missing my kids. Now I'm two weeks into it. And uh, today's date is October 1st, and I have to go till November 1st is my next hearing date. Um, however, I do want to just give you a quick update. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that I had to meet with Child Services. Uh, I did get a visit from Child Services, and essentially, I just broke down everything for this guy, and I told him um, pretty much all about it and uh, my side of the story, and he really got it. Um, so... I, what I need to do is I need to close my uh, Child Protective Services case. Um, I need to move up my court date. And I'd like to get an advocate to advocate for me in court for parental alienation. Um, so those are the next steps. But other than that, man, um, you know, I'm in pretty good spirits. I'm in pretty good spirits. Some days are, some hours are harder than others. But for right now, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I'm taking it little incremental steps at a time. So... Um, I just want to give you guys that little update in case you're wondering what's going on with me. So that's kind of been that. Um, so now getting into this new episode, uh, someone reached out to me on Instagram. His name is Kevin and, uh, Kevin had a really cool story. He and I talked for about an hour and I really thought that you could benefit from some of these things that he says. Um, Kevin is a really smart guy. He's just, uh, really good at speaking some acceptance into me. And that's why I wanted him on the podcast. So enjoy this next episode. Kevin, say hello to everybody. Hey, everyone. <laughs> so uh, Kevin's got a cool story. I, a few episodes ago, um, I did on episode 33, after I took my little hiatus from this podcast, um, I was doing episode 33 and I talked about on the episode how I'd like for someone to speak some acceptance into me because I thought I was going to get some extra money or I thought I was going to get some extra time with the kids or whatever it may be. And um so enter Kevin. Kevin actually reached out to me and he said, hey, listen, if you want to talk, uh, I'd like to talk some acceptance into you. And Kevin and I spent about an hour maybe on the phone and just a really cool guy with a really cool story. And he did speak some acceptance into me about just letting go and, and understanding the bigger picture and realizing that things are going to turn out the way they're supposed to turn out. So I thank you for that, Kevin, and, and welcome into the episode. Awesome. Thank you. So, uh. Kevin, like I said, has a has a really cool story. I don't know where you want to start, um, because I don't want to say he's like duly afflicted, but there's like there's there's, there's different. Yeah, this is an onion of a story, you know, and there's a lot to peel. So, Kevin, it's your yeah. show. Where do you want to get started, man? All right. Well, I guess I'll get started with uh, just how I grew up and where I kind of found out about narcissism. Um, it's a good place. I grew up right outside Washington D.C. A good area, very conservative Catholic family, very close with my siblings, close with my parents. My dad was a hard worker. My mom was stay at home. Kind of went through life making friendships, but never having too good of friends. I was always the person that was saying hi to everyone on the street. However, I never really hung out with them. I kind of realized about that about myself and realized some depression with it. But I went to the doctor. Doctor said it was just some socialness. I would get over or social anxiety, something I would get over and kind of never really thought about it much more after that. But come high school and everything, I'm still very close with my family. Don't really have any 
relationships outside of that. I have about two close best friends. Um, but besides that, just most of my siblings. So I go off to college. So I go off to college and it takes me about five and a half years to graduate. Um, so took some time off, went back to school, finally graduated and moved back home. Home for a few months. Those situations where you don't really mind living at home. However, you've had that freedom of living on your own and kind of seeing yourself as an adult. So to see yourself as a child living with kind of rough. Went out, got an apartment with my best friend and a roommate from college. Moved in together, got a good place. Uh, she was very supportive of me. She was basically my only friend, I realized, and then she went to move out of town. From moving out of town is when I went and met my narcissist, or my next. When, uh, when your roommate moved out of town? Correct. So after my roommate moved out of town, I didn't really know what I was going to do as far as get a place on my own, find a new roommate, um, or buy a place. So I started looking for a place. Um, in the meantime, I go home, start talking with my mom, tell her about all the situations I'm in and kind of how I feel like I'm stuck in life. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole being stuck thing was not fun, and my mom really helped me out with it. She convinced me to get on the dating apps, and I got on them. She got me on uh, Match.com. I even decided to pay for it. <laughs> um, so you know you were serious. Oh yeah. I if you're paying, if you're paying for dating apps, I take those people as dead serious. I mean, I paid three months up front. I want to say it was like $114. You know, and I can and I can really relate to the stagnant part of of feeling like that in life. Like, you know, in my on my early episodes of this podcast, I said like I was really bored and like despondent and uh, yeah, just felt stagnant in life. And and I was starting to think about like what do I want in life? And that's when I met my narcissist, ironically. Hey, you're looking for purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was looking for my purpose and lo and behold I found it. <laughs> um honestly I have to say it was maybe only two or three weeks of being on the apps that uh my next comes across my page. Uh I see her pictures, don't really think much of her. Um not in negative way, not saying she's not attractive or anything. It's just um, I guess I've always been picky, and I never okay. really knew what exactly about me was picky. The fact that little things would turn me off from someone—it's like shallow hows. Like one finger is a little bit longer yeah. than the other. I'm not calling you shallow. Sorry, that's bad. No, I, I mean, well, honestly, it was shallow because it's like you know you don't know enough about someone from their profile to say whether you want to meet them or not. Yo, man, not for nothing. Being on the dating sites now, I realize nobody is like their profile, so don't beat no. yourself up over it. No, it's just it's basically just another social media profile where they show you what they want to show you or how they want to look, and then you can get to pick the rest. You know, it's funny. I'm starting. I don't want this to turn into like the dating episode of Jimmy the Gaslight, but it's funny. I'm starting to believe that like a prerequisite to being on dating sites is like you have to be like a world class globetrotter and like you have to have pictures of like Machu Picchu in your profile now. Like, yeah, you gotta see yourself and stand yeah, out. It's crazy. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you. You just gotta get better with um, photoshopping. Yeah, that's it. I'll photoshop myself into Machu Picchu. Exactly. Um. <laughs> so. Met my next or met this girl and uh, get to speaking. One thing leads to another and it very quickly comes into, hey, do you want to go on a date? So we met up, went to Cheesecake Factory. It was honestly a really good date. I want to say we were there for like four and a half hours. Wow. Um, we didn't have uh, alcoholic beverages. We just had drinks, uh, meals. When the check came, she put down her card. Um, I paid half as well, wow. but she was quick to pull out her card before I even said anything or got my card. Um, not that I would say anything. <laughs> um, so that was something I noted. Um, one thing I did that did stick out to me was she was a single mom mm -hmm. and I love kids. So I didn't really want to get too attached to kids or to her kid, you know, before meeting her. And so she actually asked me to pick her up for the date. She Did she project meeting her kid onto you quickly? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So we went on the date, uh, five hours or so. Uh, come back. She convinces me to come in, hang out for a little bit. I'm there until like three o'clock in the morning. Um, I do see her daughter in bed that night. Um, just on the first date? Yeah. 
That's some love bombing shit right there. Yeah, she like she she pulled out all the stops. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but they had just moved into this house. So it was like everything was empty. And I'm just like, wow, they're really like, you know, they're just trying to make it. Really, they just had just moved in. Um, yeah, so. Oh, she was, hadn't been separated from her ex very long then, huh? Yeah. How long? Not long at all. I want to say um, I want to say the last time she had seen her ex or um, her daughter's father was three months before that. Oh my god! They had been living close to each other in the same town right before she moved to Meyer. Well, she's got to keep that secondary supply just in case all the other supplies fall through. Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out about that a little later on, but so. We start dating, you know, a very quick moving relationship. I had nothing else going on. So it was one of those things where taking time out of my day to respond to a text message, just getting attention was really nice. Mm-hmm. And after a little while, I do meet her daughter. And when I say a little while, that's like two weeks. Jeez. So like, you see your daughter on the first day and you meet her two weeks later. Yeah. And that's Man, if you knew then what you know now. Yeah. <laughs> So that had to be, like, maybe three times I had seen my next. So on the third date, maybe, I met her daughter, um, which all of a sudden made sense to me. You know, I remember talking to her and being like, I don't want to meet her for at least six months, you know, once yeah. I started. And now I look back and think, why were we even talking about that before we even met in person? You know, yeah. I thought I was being responsible, and it's just like, ooh, ooh. Well, I don't think that's such a red flag. I mean... Because, like, now in my dating game, you know, I'd like for whoever I date to be cool with my kids. But I have, like, a strict 6 to 12-month rule. And it's really one of those I'll cross that bridge when we get to it type scenarios, you know? Exactly that. That's kind of, I guess, what I mean to say is, looking at it from that perspective, more like we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, rather than, hey, you can meet my daughter in six months. (laughs) (laughs) Wild. So that's, you know, just little red flags that you look back on and go, huh, that means a little bit more than I thought it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of those. I have a lot of those. So fast forward a few months and it's Father's Day. And Father's Day, I get a gift, the gift of shoes. And it's a card and it says, um, you've already swept us off our feet. Um, something like don't go running. (laughs) <laughs> or something like that and it's like it's one of those big science project boards so it like can stand up by itself because her daughter wanted to ride on it um and it was so cute i mean i remember i saw the pictures of it um well like in your defense like why would you think that's weird you know like I, you know that's just wow this girl really likes me holy shit yeah and i also look at i saw that as she's incorporating her daughter into her life yeah, you know, letting her daughter feel like part of everything rather than just tagging along, and that's something I've been—I was raised <laughs> as to think. Um, I feel like the kids were very included in the family, um, and that's just something I really value. Sure, I get it. Um, so Father's Day comes, we have that good time. Within a year or so, only nine months, I after my friend moves to uh, Denver. I move in with my girlfriend, or I move in with my ex. And it's one of those things where I brought her the idea. Um, She had been very open about her finances, and I saw how I could kind of help a situation. Um, Not to, like, you know, maybe it is a saver flex or what have you, uh, but it's something that I saw maybe a purpose to do. And so I basically talked to her and I was like, hey, how about I give you $1,000 every month, pay off your credit card instead of being added to the lease and paying you rent. That's smart, actually. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want that responsibility in case you guys don't work out. Well, exactly. I was like, well, I also saw it as she can kick me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did sell it to her like that, but if she's not comfortable with it, then she can make me leave whenever. It's like a prenup to the prenup. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be like as responsible and like. Yeah, no, that's good, man. That's good. And it's like, ooh, these boundaries, though. 
Um, so at least you had that intuition early on, though. That's good. Oh yeah, yeah. So move in. Everything's going well. Um, don't really remember having any big arguments um, besides one, and that's around New Year's. And it's one of those situations that was a huge red flag in the situation, and I just really sucked it up. But what happened was um, we decided to go to a concert, and we don't get to go out much. When we do go out, it's just going out to dinner. Um, so we were going to go into the city and meet up with some of my friends from college and go see a concert. So we go, and we go to the pregame, and we're hanging out with my friends. First time, she's meeting everyone. And my ex-girlfriend is there. Mm-hmm. And when I say ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend before her, her, my only other girlfriend, and we were together three and a half years. So it's a very, um, I mean, I grew up with her from high school. So it was a very close relationship. Um, and Were I, you and that ex on, like, amicable terms? Very. Yeah, so, so like, like... Even when we broke up, it was one of those things that we were sad about breaking up. But it was it was because I was switching colleges it was just, you know, but anybody who knows their narcissist knows that your narcissist is going to be pissed at her because you guys are on amicable terms and your narcissist wants you to hate your ex-girlfriend. Oh, and that's exactly what she did that night. Sure did. Yeah. So go to this concert. My uh, my ex-girlfriend had texted me like, hey, can you help me out with something tonight? Um, Just a situation she was dealing with. No big deal. And I said, yeah, I got you. Um, And I, my next thought, and she just gave me one of those full stares. Um, I just kind of looked back at her. I was like, like, don't worry. Started rubbing her back. Um, Don't worry. Everything's fine. We get to the concert and she just starts getting upset with me. You know, she's like, I need a, I need a drink. So we instantly go and get drinks and she's just upset with me. Doesn't want to stand by my friends. Cause the concert's supposed to be a good time. So every narcissist has to ruin the has good to times. Ruin has, has to ruin it. Ruin it. Like she, it's like she was looking for something to get upset with me about because it's, she got upset with me for something that happened in the Uber on the way to the concert. And then at the concert, walking through the door, she's instantly upset. If, us, as if you want to call us empaths or codependents or whatever you want to call us, if we have this little tinge of guilt that we can take for fucking up the situation, they'll completely pin it on us, even though it doesn't have to get taken to that extreme. You know what I mean? And and honestly, I kind of had no problem taking that. You know, if I could kind of take and shift some of that, though, if I could shift some of that anger then I thought that was a better situation. And they'll they'll have you, you know, kind of confessing to shit you never did. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know. I know. I know. Like all of a sudden, it's like I'm thinking about my ex-girlfriend. It's like, no, that's not what's happening. But I'm apologizing for it, and I'm being kicked out for it. So right. what's happening? Right, exactly. I know. I can completely it's relate. Crazy. Yep. Uh, and uh, so later that night, we get back from the concert. And it's like an hour drive home. So we drive. No. Yeah. We drive home. I'm sober. Luckily, she's not because she kept drinking at the concert. And uh, we're driving home. And all of a sudden, it's the silent treatment. And like, you know, looking out the window and not saying anything, not acknowledging me. We get home or as soon as we pull into the neighborhood, she starts yelling at me. And so she's yelling at me. We're now in the driveway of the townhouse. She's just yelling at me. It's fourth morning. You know, like, I mean, there could be people waking up to go on runs. And she's just yelling at me in the driveway. And I convinced her to go inside and or for us to go inside and talk about it. And I start following her in the house and she slams the door in my face. So I'm sitting there and I wait like 10 minutes and she doesn't open the door. I don't have a key. So I had to drive another 45 minutes to my parents' house find a place to sleep and so i went home uh she acted the next day as if nothing ever happened um when i tried to talk to her about it you know she was she's just dealing with a lot right now and blah 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 doesn't apologize doesn't really talk anything about my ex-girlfriend or her feelings about the situation 
just wants me to forget about it. Zero responsibility. Zero responsibility. So for two days, I'm just kind of like thinking of how I can bring it up to her, what I can say, and nothing comes to mind. So I start to just forget about it as well. Never got closure on it. Um, living together a few more months, and she she starts talking about how she wants to get married. And it wasn't really something on my agenda, but it, you know, I understood where she was coming from and it already had a daughter. So how, how long you, had you been together at this point? Probably a year? Just over a year. Mm-hmm. Just over a year. Um, so we got together, I want to say around July. Um, and this was the next year, right before Halloween, I want to say. Because okay. Halloween, she even made like matching costumes and we all did like a Frozen family. And like, it was cute. I had fun. Who were you? Who were you? Uh, I was... Oh, not Olaf. Olaf. Oh, Olaf. Yeah. Um, gosh, that was a fun costume. But she, I mean, she loved anything she could do that would, that would make a good photo opportunity on Instagram. That's yeah. everything with my next. Yeah. I shared on a, I shared on a prior episode that like, I'm not exaggerating when my next has like 400 pictures less than Kim Kardashian. Like it's so That's crazy. Insane. And Kim Kardashian has millions of followers. And my wife, well, my ex-wife has like f- maybe 400, but she yeah. has 400 less pictures. It's like, what are you posting? Nobody cares about your kids as much as you do. Like who gives a shit? <laughs> Yeah, and the filters and all that. Like, oh, why, barf. Why do you need to make all of this? I mean, I mean, I like to post pictures, too. Don't get me sure, wrong. sure, but, sure. But it's like that moment wasn't as good as you're making it out to be. Yeah, no. It's like she's, <laughs> like they're posting it as the moment's happening. Right. You take those pictures, do your thing later, but enjoy the moment now at least. And that was something I really enjoyed about her was not the fact that she would Instagram, but the fact that she – would make these costumes and she got really into crafting and taking pride in, you know, like making brownies for her daughter's class, stuff like that. And I'm sure she included you. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, so she included me with that way, but I was included in that. I mean, I was included at schools too. You know, I was the one taking her daughter into school in the morning, getting her off the bus in the afternoon, uh, all of that stuff. So you're like full-time dad duty. I was, I was, I was um, I was assigned as dad in her preschool blogging. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was like, when I saw I was like dad, that was kind of intense to me. Did you have any interaction with her real dad? Not at this point. So, okay. Um, about four months. So she starts mentioning about how she wants to get married. Uh, I take the hint and I go and get a ring with this great idea of how to propose and yep 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 for all the listeners out there i just put a gun to my head and blew my brains out <laughs> like and that's exactly how i felt at the time but i mean if you just heard what i said i made the decision to go out and get the ring <laughs> right like, like i did make these decisions to do these things and here like that's not what i wanted to do yeah but i think i think our feeling is, and I know, oh, well, I can only speak for myself. My feeling was, but if I, I don't want to lose her, I don't want to lose her. Yep. You know, the, the petty bullshit fights are all there, but like, I don't want to lose her. I did want to start a family. Well, in your, in your situation, you said, you didn't know if you want to have married. Did you want to have kids? Um, I love kids. I've always loved kids. Um, I personally did not see myself having kids, but it wasn't something I was wholeheartedly it's not something I was wholeheartedly against. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw life as that's how I saw life happening. No, mm-hmm. I just didn't really prefer to have kids on my, or I get it. Um, so I proposed to her and include her daughter. Um, so I have this little bracelet made up for her daughter. So it's something she gets when her mom gets a ring and all of this. And it's a cute proposal, all this stuff. And instantly she's planning the wedding. You know, so now I've given her a fun activity for her to do and a way for her to future fake me Uh, in the sense of, you know, she's like, oh, now I'm going to be Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. And like acting like she's going to take my last name and wants to change her daughter's last name to my last name. One of those things where now I'm getting like, oh, right, this is getting pretty big. But we keep playing the wedding and... About two months after we get engaged, 
uh, I'm on my way to work. I'm pulling into my office. I had just dropped off her daughter at uh, daycare. And I get a call from my next, and she's hysterically crying. I want to say it's 8.45 in the morning. I'm trying to calm her down. What's up? What's up? And she tells me that she was served by an officer, someone in a very nice car, uh, papers for custody over her daughter, her daughter's biological father. And that is like, this is really what, this this amps up the abuse that I should have really seen before he got married. But it was at this point, that, I mean, instantly I came home. You know, I told my boss what happened. I, I'll be in late. I just need to go home and check on her. Uh, I go home, we're talking and going over everything and more information comes out, you know, about her daughter's biological father and where he lives and, you know, how long he's lived there and stuff. And um, from there, we decide that we had to get a lawyer. So we get my best friend's father, who is an attorney, we get him involved um, so he can help us start to fight this and save us some money. So we start working with my Sorry, let me go back a little bit there. So it was at this point that after I came home, she like I came up to her. She was in the kitchen and she wouldn't let me hug her. And so I just stood there, you know, just I don't know. I was was there and she looks up at me and she says, this is going to break us. And I didn't really know how to take that. Um, I didn't know if that meant like there were lies or there was something else going on. But she specifically said it was going to break us. So I sat there and reassured her, this isn't going to ruin us. Um, This is something that we're going to get through together. She probably, that narcissistic injury, she probably knew she was in the process of about to be exposed. And she was probably in a panic because she didn't know how to cover her tracks. Exactly that. So what she does to cover her tracks is she makes me start to um, she puts me into a sense of like flight, essentially. Um, I'm, at that point, I'm starting to wake up every day and constantly be on the go. Um, my anxiety is starting to go up. But we get my friend's father involved. Uh, we start going to custody court and they have mediation. So that means that. Her ex-boyfriend is now in town for some weekends and they're texting to drive do some custody and she's kind of being hesitant and a little apprehensive with him and from the stories i had heard i completely understand her being apprehensive or i could completely understand it from the stories you heard from her yeah because i heard her side and she the way she had painted him to be was someone that was just a drunk or he would just you know, he seemed like just a kid that was stuck in the college life and um, he wasn't going to make anything of himself and he was abusive. And so essentially I had this picture painted of him, but because everything starts happening and we had to show that we're working with him, I was now paying these attorney fees. You know, hold on one quick. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I feel like I should interject this real quick for anybody listening to this. I'm just having this thought. When someone is telling you their story about their ex, right, let them vent and let them tell you all the shit that they say and then sit there and be like, hey, so what part did you play in any of that? Yes. And ask where things like to go on your note there, like see where things make sense in your head for the stories they just told you. Right. Like, yes, everything doesn't replay back 100 percent the way it Mm -hmm. was, but Mm -hmm. This, the things that impacted them will still fall into line. Yes, you know? you're absolutely right. I, I know entirely what you're saying. And that that's one big thing I've kind of had with noticing people that are like more fake than others. You know, and that that's something that I've, I've learned going through all of this. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, I, well, I didn't mean to interrupt you because I, I felt like that needed to be said. Yeah, no, that's a good note. Yeah. Interrupt me whenever. <laughs> so... Um, I'm paying the attorney fee, attorney bills. We're going through the process of custody and all of this and child care and what have you. Um, so it turns into kind of like, you know, she wants to get private investigators and all these things involved. 
when here all the situation really at called for was visitation between a father and his daughter um so i decided to start working with him and making these situations happen so i invite him down for um there was a festival happening that summer um and it was a, a local town festival that i used to go through to as a child so i was like hey how about you come i know where we can like go and park uh where we can meet up it's a great situation for you to get to be around your daughter because i mean she was three and a half years old at the time so when he saw her she wasn't comfortable with him you know because her mom would you know her body language changed around him she would pick up on that and then she's also seeing it as well now i have a new dad and my old and so. she's also and your next is also fighting for control of the situation oh, uh-huh yeah so it turned into a visitation every two weeks i got along with this guy really well and it's shocker like, shocker <laughs> right i'm it's sure the, you're a lot like him the two ex-boyfriends like what do they have in common <laughs> <laughs> what's the common denominator exactly so we get a good relationship or good rapport going and that starts to become a big fight between me and my next um she starts to have problems with how i am coordinating these visitations and <laughs> it's funny mind you her job was hourly, so since unpaid salary, I decided it was better that I would take her daughter up to, or fly her up to the state, meet with her father, do the uh, exchange, and then I would fly back. Wait, hold on one second. Can you imagine somebody getting mad at you over how you're handling her custody situation that you didn't ask for this fucking problem? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So you didn't ask for this whole situation. Yeah, I didn't ask for this whole situation, but I'm making the best with what I have, <laughs> and uh, I get along with them. So you flew up to to what was that that part? Mm-hmm. I flew up there and did the whole drop off. It was it's crazy because I would actually get off the same plane that I got back onto and sit in the same seat. Wow. Yeah. So I was like seven A on the way there, and I was seven B on the way back. <laughs> You know, and it was just like, it's literally the same plane. And what were you thinking at that time? Were you thinking like, I have to do this or I don't want to do this? Or what was going through your head? Um, I didn't want to do it, but it wasn't. I felt good about doing it. I honestly, it was a situation. I really liked her daughter. Um, I loved like within three weeks of dating them. I had my own car seat in my car. <laughs> like it was I I grew very attached to this girl, this mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of those things that it was more time for me with her it was time for me not in the office um, and we're going to be spending the I was one of those people that I look I look at things as it's going to happen anyway let's make the most of what we have um, now I still am but not as much so like that <laughs> now I'm like okay I'm dealing with this well, now you see the bigger picture and, yeah. and you realize that there's red flags and you I'm sure you have boundaries now. Yeah. Yeah. And now I now I realize there's a there's a reason that something I, something sits wrong with me. You know, and if it sits wrong with me, well, then I'm not going to deal with it. Um, So from that point uh, where we have a good rapport going, uh, it turns into me not being able to talk about uh, child or family court. Uh, so. So all that happens, custody court, we still get married. Um, I decided, or I talked to her the week of the wedding because we had started having a little bit of arguments. Um, I decided I was thinking, hey, let's try delaying the wedding. Um, It's not that big of a deal. We're just having it in my parents' backyard. So delaying it a few days or a few weeks, not that big of a deal. Well, she's already ramping up to ruin it. Oh, she's ramping up. Oh, so, <laughs> I wish the you know, I wish the listeners could have seen your face right now the way you just rolled your eyes you're like oh yeah she like she found any reason to be upset and like I understand it's your wedding and all that stuff but when I like planning this wedding she was all gung ho about planning the wedding and you know having these big milestones with it but it, I mean she included me in like the color I picked the colors um where it was I picked where it was. Um, for catering, I picked where or who the catering was. Um, it was mainly because she would have her opinions and I'd try to talk to her about it. And then she'd be like, fine, just do whatever you want. 
Well, she was also living in that fantasy of all the attention being on her. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because now all of a sudden it's Instagram this, Instagram that. And all of a sudden it's, we need to do... Hashtag big day coming. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, all these great things. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we were only engaged for eight or nine months. That wasn't yeah. that long. Um, <laughs> we got married. Uh, we, uh, we start arguing. One of the arguments is about our honeymoon. And since we had decided a few months prior to start building a house, which we were about to move into a month after our wedding, um, we decided not to have a honeymoon. And, you know, totally great idea. Well, the week before our wedding, she's like, oh, look at these great deals I found to Cancun. Okay, fine. You know, she gets me to go. Uh, I say I'll go for four days. It turns into a full week. Okay, that's fine. I'll go for the full week. Um, during all of that, like she had started being really weird and like her personality has changed. Like the night we got married, she started being, becoming much more demanding of me and very, it was more like as if now that we're married, she's the one that has control over me rather than my mom having control over me. And not that my mom did, but it's kind of like, I think she kind of saw it that way. Um, and she, honestly, she did have control over me. Control over everything, but get married, go on the honeymoon. Uh, I find out that she stopped her birth control like a month before the wedding. Oh shit! Um, and we hadn't been doing anything, you know. We've been busy planning the wedding and stressed and all that, so no big deal. But on the honeymoon, all of a sudden, she feels like she's pregnant. Worried about it, she she sends one of the guys from our hotel over to a pharmacy there to get a pregnancy test and all of a sudden she's like we need to go up to our room we need to go up to our room i was like okay you know maybe she just wanted a little nap or get room service whatever 3 30 in the afternoon we go upstairs and she like rushes into the bathroom no big deal like when she comes out it's no big deal she's acting normal i go to use the bathroom and i see the pregnancy test in there and it's just sitting in the trash. And I can't see the results. It's just sitting in the trash. Can't see the results. And I didn't even know if results would be ready at that time or anything. And uh, I decide, like, I see, I go, whoa. What do I, how am I going to react? So I go outside. And I ask her about it. And she goes, oh, yeah, funny thing. And she tells me what just happened. I thought I was pregnant. So I had the butler go and went, I didn't want to say butler, but it was just a guy that helps out our floor. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, so he, she had, like, she tells me about how she had him go, and she explains the situation. And I'm already thinking in my head, like, but you weren't pregnant a month ago and nothing's happened. You know, that's, I didn't bring it up to her, but that's instantly where my head was. And uh, kind of leave it at that. I had gotten a little upset with her because birth control was something we should talk about. But she, you know, she smooths it over with me. We end up the honeymoon. Great time. We go home, move into our new house, you know, having a great time. But as soon as we move into the house, that's when everything hits the fan. And uh, all of a sudden she needs a brand new car. So we lease her a brand new SUV. Um, She needs a new iPhone all of a sudden because hers broke to get in your life you know it's just all of a sudden these random expenses that are you know you plan for them you know if you need to get a new phone you know you're going to be getting a new phone in a few months or if you need to get a new car you're going to try to plan for a few months down the road so and this is a, a personal question and i could edit this out if you don't want to answer but was she ramping up the sexuality to try and force you to have a kid yes mm-hmm. yes so that's basically where it goes down to um, right after we move into our new house, she starts ordering like ovulation test kits. Oh God. Yeah. And like all of these things where it's like, she's had a daughter before, you know, it's. it's yeah. Over- you know, right. You know, yeah. if you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's overboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes demanding and time wise it's sex is now a, um, a chore. Robotic. And- robotic and it's something that i have to do with her mm-hmm. um and that's actually an argument that we had because i had broken down 
Um, I'd been dealing with the stress of everything, like not greatest. And uh, one night we were trying to make it happen. It wasn't happening. I break down and I start saying like, I just feel like I'm being used just for you to have another kid. Um, and that was really been there, man. I told those stories on the podcast. Yeah. I know that feeling. And that's I, a, for, for anybody listening to this, for any man, that's a really tough thing to negotiate in your brain being used to have a kid. And that's something that like, as when I heard you say that story, just like anyone else that has been in that situation, you, you know, now how conniving those comments are because it's like they had built you up for that action and all of a sudden they're stripping you of it Mm -hmm. um and it was just a really hard situation so i had broken down expressed how i felt and she got really really angry with me and she didn't like it and she's like oh so you feel like i'm uh like you're being uh raped assaulted like sexually assaulted like you know just jabs and uh i said yeah honestly that is how i feel and she gets really angry at me starts yelling slamming doors um and just keeps yelling at me to get the f out get the f out get the f out Oof, my heart is pumping right now <laughs> that's i mean that's what she do she i mean well that's what they do they get your heart pumping and then they say Go isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's your heart is beating so fast, but you feel it only in your body, and it's just like you don't know what else to do. Yeah. Um. So I got to well, and and the other thing is too, as a man, I feel like oh, I should want to get laid, and I should want to have sex, and I should want to have a kid, and I'm, you know, that's the masculine, that's toxic masculinity right there. Is yeah. like, you know, we should want this, we should want this, and you're like but I know this isn't genuine and I know how superficial it is. And I don't want that. Like I'm getting into it for the right reasons. And I know like my intuition inside of me says that this is wrong. I mean, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's tough. I wish you guys could see us right now. Cause we're both kind of shaking our head and rubbing our bearded <laughs> chins and going fucking a <laughs> should have seen it from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, so from, from the point of getting married, to nine months later when we finally get divorced yes only nine months. <laughs> um, oh, sorry nine fuck. months later where i leave i finally am out of the house so, so what was the straw that broke the camel's back that finally got me out of the house yeah um so she had come back from my sister-in-law's bachelorette party so my brother and his now wife were getting married and i was the best man and she was one of the maids of honor um bridesmaids i'm sorry and so she had gone down to uh nashville i think it was to have this party and everything um i was watching her daughter you know we went ziplining i was sending her pictures all this stuff and she was being all lovey-dovey with me and being all excited for when she got home so i went to pick her up from the airport that night and all of a sudden, she's different. From the point she gets in the car, she's just different and berating me and angry with me. We get home, and it's only like, like 8 o'clock at night. Um, <clears throat> I want to say it's like 8 o'clock at night. So we get home, and uh, she just starts isolating me, yelling at me. Um, I don't even remember what the arguments were necessarily about, but I remember the doors slamming, and I remember her kicking me out of the house and taking my garage door opener out of my car. Hmm. Um, which, I mean, we still had a code garage and stuff, but <laughs> garage door opener. So I left. Um, I went driving around for like a few hours. Uh, finally got home. I want to say it was like 1.30 in the morning. Get home. Uh, I'm able to get in the house. Front door is still unlocked. So I able to use my key. I go in, and I go to sleep in the guest room. Wake up the next morning daughter was picked up by her uh her father her biological dad for visitation and i packed my stuff and i left that was my final time uh that was one of six five or six times of me leaving yeah yeah it was all honestly the same Mm -hmm. but honestly it's like from there you know once you meet a narcissist or once you deal with a narcissist and you can fully grapple with what you just dealt with 
what you have been dealing with and you identify it that way. I feel like you're like awake to it a lot more. You're more hypervigilant. So how did you come to learn about narcissism? I know it's such a hot buzzword and stuff, but like, how did you make that revelation? So basically, like going through all this, I had been talking with my mom about it. And my mom one day sent me an article. It was just like, are you dating a sociopath? Top, top signs of if you're dating a sociopath. And I read it and it's like, it was talking about sociopaths, psychopaths, narcissism, um, and just it went into like personality disorders, all of that. You know, I'm reading it and it's just one after another where it's like every single situation identified 100% with me. You know, hmm. Now I can look back and it's like, oh yeah, 90% of it. But in that in that moment, I each of each one of the words I read was just realization. Like popping off the page. I can remember that feeling and I can, I mean, for me, it was, I mean, pretty dramatic, but I can remember like, the walls felt like they were closing in on me and I'm like, felt just this heaviness and this like dizziness and going, holy fuck, holy, like all this stuff I went through and I always knew there was a name for it. I always knew there was a word for it. And she accused me of being bipolar and I'm like, this is the thing she's got. Yep. Yep. Like, and it's one of those things that, you know, everyone always explains it as, or talks about narcissism as it's overused and it is overused. When we think of it, we just think grandiose or extreme vanity. Or, yeah, or yeah, exactly materialistic vanity. Um, but we don't think of what it does, what it is as far as a personality goes. You know, and the manipulation that goes into it. And if you don't, if I wasn't, I knew what a personality disorder was technically, but I didn't know how to identify it. I had never been in a scenario of where I needed to identify one. Right. And now it's like, I'm very, I'm happy that I have this knowledge, but we need to be able to find out this knowledge without going through these situations. Ooh, damn. Like, that's the problem. It's like, you know, everyone wants to protect themselves going down the road. And you can't protect yourself from every single situation. You just pick out certain red flags or certain scenarios that you know to be toxic for you. Um, just one of those situations that you need to learn what's toxic and what's not. And once you're able to identify what's toxic, um, it makes everything a lot easier. It also makes it a little bit more difficult to process everything. So, yeah. So, like, speaking of processing things, so after your mother sent you that article, what was, like, the course of your life after that? So, yeah, my mom is right. I gave her the claps to that. Um I believe her to be right, I guess. No one's diagnosed my ex-wife. But uh, from there, I got into the journey of self-growth, um, self-awareness. And during the divorce, I had to move back in with my parents and my younger sisters. So during that time, I'm going through the process of recovery and grief and learning about all of this. And, uh, you know, I started to realize some of those red flags within my own family. Mm. where I realized what made me connect with my ex-wife um, because of things that I'd grown accustomed to growing up. And uh, so from there, it kind of became a, I guess, a difficult time for me because going through this, this process, I had a problem with trying to formulate my words, my thoughts, and get them out and convey them effectively to someone else. I feel that all the time. It's a wonder I have a fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you do so well with it, too. You get Thank your, you. your thoughts across pretty quickly, whereas, I mean, I ramble quite a bit. <laughs> I have a really good friend. I have a really good friend who's like that, and he's probably listening to this. And I tell him all the time, like, I want your voice because you really think really quickly, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, like right, off, right off the bat. Well, you were saying that you realized some red flags within your own family. Um, so I realized some red flags with my own family and – you know, since I wasn't able to fix them with my ex-wife and I had tried to, I decided to try to fix them within my family. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the issues was with my mom. I just felt that she wasn't really listening to my younger sisters. Um, had been having conversations back and forth and they felt that my mom was, you know, kind of like moving on from being a mother. You know, kind of mm -hmm. like, I'm done being a mom now. I've raised all my kids. I'm ready for the next step. And, you know, that's something... I could understand 
you know? Sure. You know, like, I can understand being like, I want something new going on in my life. But for my sisters who were still in college, you know, so they're young adults dealing with these feelings and to come to me about them, I figured, okay, I'm close with my mom. Why don't I try to work on this situation with my mom? And I try to, and it gets met with hesitation. And some issues arise with that. My mom just starts being confrontational. What? Confrontational? Um, not necessarily confront hostile. Okay. I guess. Um, I wanted to say aggressive, but it's more of like anything I say, it is one of those like, huh, you know, or okay, you know, not necessarily aggressive like she's trying to fight, but passive aggressive. You know, passive aggressive, and she's she wants you to know she doesn't care what you're saying or you know <laughs> and uh which i can understand sometimes but it was situations like that did you mark it down to her just being old and set in her ways yeah i i marked it like i had talked to my dad about it you know i and my dad had even said hey like this is something i've tried to work on with your mom in the past but one thing i've realized is she is who she is and it's one of those things that why rock the boat if we're all fine with it. I want to shake the computer right right now and be like, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. And it wasn't like, that's how I viewed so many things. Like, it's so easy to just skirt over stuff and say like, well, that's just the way they are. Well, your or, poor like, dad, you your to- poor dad, you know, like I feel that way about, I don't know if my nex's father is a narcissist. I know he's a douchebag. But I don't know if he's a narcissist. Um, I know her mom's a narcissist. <laughs> he was just drinking. He always spit out his drink when I said he's a douchebag. Um, I know he's a douchebag, but I just think that her dad has been abused for so long. And he's been married for 40 years that I don't think he can get out of it. And I think that's what made him a douchebag. But um, he may be a narcissist, but I kind of, what you're saying about your dad. Like I said, that's not an excuse. She's just set in her ways and that's what she is. Tough shit. That's not an excuse. That's, well, you hit the nail on the head. So that's exactly where I've laid my parents now. Um, my mom, I definitely feel, well, I have called her a narcissist, and that is what ended our our. You called your mom a narcissist? Yeah, so I guess I'll say that. I'll explain this. So during all of this, you know, I'm trying to work with my mom and having this issue of not feeling heard by people. And... I was having panic attacks and everything, and it's Christmas Day, and I had made my mom these acrylic uh, transparent beads for their house because my parents had a very new, modern, contemporary home. Um, so I made baby gates for my little nephew for when he, he just started walking, and I figured it's something my mom could have up to cover all the stairs. Yeah, that's a sweet day. idea. Yeah, and uh, I, it gave me something to do. Um, Working during the divorce, it was just something to kind of therapeutic. Yeah, I get it. And uh, I spent like three months on these baby gates, and uh, which I could have spent maybe two weeks on them, but or could have bought them. But anyway, (laughs) but uh, I spent way too much time on them. Really liked them, and I bring them over and on Christmas Day, so this Christmas 2019, and uh, I give everyone their presents. And my mom is the last one, and she's doing dishes. It's like, Mom, I'm giving out presents right now. And uh, I get the baby gifts. I bring them into the kitchen, and I hold them up on our kitchen island. I go, like, here you go, Mom. What do you think? And without even turning around, so her back is to me. She's doing dishes in the sink or playing around in the sink. And uh, without even turning around to me, she goes, oh, that's a great idea. You don't even know what it is. I know. I I wish the listener could see me right now. I'm like shrugging going, you didn't turn around. How do you know? what What's a great idea, mom? Yeah. So I I was like, huh. You know, I did one of her things back and I was like, fine. And uh, I took it <laughs> and so I then take the baby gate and I threw it out into our garage. And so I opened the door from the kitchen garage, throw it. And since it's acrylic and not glass, it just hit the garage floor and like bam 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 you know so very dramatic and uh i fuck make them clean it up <laughs> yeah but it didn't break <laughs> so it just, <laughs> I guess that's, that's good um so i walk in from the garage 
and uh, my mom just looks at me and goes, uh, okay, Ke- okay, Kevin, I think it's time for you to leave. And I was just like, it's Christmas. Christmas. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. We haven't even had Christmas dinner. I got there at 1230. So I'd only been there for three and a half hours. And uh, so she says this. My dad comes up and my parents are very much um, a united front when they're together. Um, it doesn't matter if they say different things otherwise, but if my mom says it, then my dad agrees. If my dad says it, you know. But having been in a narcissistic relationship, you can understand where your dad's coming from. Oh, yeah. Now I see my dad was just trying to give me the same advice that helped. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, like, he may not see it the way I see it. You know, maybe I'm more sensitive to that. But well, maybe it plays into this whole reason why we started this podcast in the first place, because maybe he's trying to speak some expect acceptance into you that he was trying to speak into himself. Maybe he wanted to believe something. He Maybe he wanted you to believe something that he wanted to believe himself. Hmm. Never thought of it that way. Maybe. Like that. Maybe so. So um, she kicks me out. I go and get my car. I peel off down the driveway. And uh, slam on my brakes at the end of the driveway and try to collect myself. And all of a sudden, like, it dings on me. Like, hold on, my divorce just went through last month. It's Christmas Day. I'm being kicked out of my parents' house saying I'm not welcome there. I am going home to a house that, like, you know, just all these things are up in the air where it's like I have nowhere that I belong. I have been saying this to everyone, and now the people that I've been saying this to just turn their backs on me and kick me out. And I was just overly, not overly, but I was just very hurt by that feeling. Well, yeah, because there's no compassion, especially when you know, they know what you're going through, Yeah, you know, and and they know the volatility of your feelings right now. It's just, and you know, just the fact that they know, having known what I have gone through or, you know, I think they know what I've gone through because I have talked about it so much. You know, I've repeated these same stories so many times that my mom has told me to stop. Like, this is your whole deal right now. <laughs> yeah, that this is my whole deal. Like, I, ca- I can't convey it. And uh, so I, at the end of the driveway, I have that little panic attack. And I go, like, I, ha- I was never able to defend myself to my next. I just had to keep paying the bills and say, okay, that's a good idea to my attorney and agree with my parents. Okay, fine, we'll, I'll pay the health insurance one more month. You know, I just had to keep saying, fine, to get to their side, to get to their side. Mm-hmm. I relate uh, to that, man. So I decide to use my voice uh, the only way I can think of, and I drive back up to my parents' house, and I rush in, and they're still standing in the same spot. My mom and dad are both next to the kitchen table. My sisters are both sitting there, or one sister sitting at it, the other one standing. You can tell my mom's been crying, and she just was looking for my dad to console her, just like hold him in it in his arms type of thing and when I walk through the door she like winces her head back at me looks at me and goes what I go you are a fucking narcissist <laughs> all right I didn't know if I could yeah fucking do not walking through it <laughs> that's what we do here okay so I said you are a fucking narcissist and I just left I did not wait for a response I did not say anything else drive home good for oh. you for using your voice Thanks. I I do regret that I use because now everything has revolved around those two words being used and the fact that I said them. Um, But essentially, I do feel I still feel correct about what I had said. I wish I said it differently. Um, But it was that point that my family dropped me from from that point. um, My sister is no longer would respond with me. My brothers weren't messaging me. Um, my dad would only respond to me if I called him about something. Um, but I was I was no longer in the family chat. I was no longer invited to holidays. That my birthday came up three months later, so in February, um, no one called me. No one said anything. 
Um, and it was, you know, it, going through that process was where I realized what recovery was and what I needed to fix in myself. So going through all this is where I realized that I've always worried about what people think about me way too much. Mm -hmm. um, and I never thought I really cared. You know, I would put on whatever clothes I wanted or act however I wanted or be as loud as I wanted. But my validation came from what others perceived me to or what I was to them. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember growing up, have, like, begging my mom for a, a Louis Vuitton wallet. And it was one of those things I, my family never bought. Um, like I did wind up getting it, but it was one of those things that I just wanted people to think of me in a positive light. Um, and, you know, so going through this and seeing my family all of a sudden think I'm the worst kid. You're the I black went, sheep of the family now. Yeah, I went from being the golden child to the black sheep. Wow. And like, that was the hardest thing because... Like, I went from calling my mom daily and being, I called her best friend. She always called me her best friend to not even being called when my grandfather passed away. Wow. When my aunt passed away. Yeah, well, I told you, you know, I, well, I told a story on the podcast is I didn't, you know, I was the black sheep of the family and I didn't find out. I found out through a Facebook post that my mother died. I forgot about that, but I do remember you saying that on a podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, yeah, that's essentially my story. Um, there's a lot that has, have, has gone on with my family um, that I'm still processing and working through. But I would say the biggest thing me getting through all of this is just listening to other people's stories like yours. Yeah, thank you. Um, and just taking the time to focus on what you want to focus on. You know, I Coming out of this, I never knew what made me I didn't know what my hobbies were. I didn't know what I enjoyed doing. Um, I always just followed along, said whatever everyone else wants to do. Mm -hmm. But it's during recovery and getting through this that I've realized that you know, I have a say in my life and I am able to control a lot of the outcomes. Um, and just having that new outlook on life makes every day a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, it's weird, you know, you're, you spend so much of your life living for other people's approval. And I like how you said, like, just trying, you know, I kept doing things just to try and get to the other side and like trying to not rock the boat and just trying to be like, okay, if I do this, then it'll be okay. And it never is. And, you, and then eventually you get to the point, it's like, what's the point of all this people pleasing if it's always going to result to the same thing? So at a, at a certain point, that's kind of where I am now. It's like, I actually, I posted something on, on Instagram, either it was yesterday or something. It's like, I want to be a fuck yes in every situation. You know what I mean? I want to be like, if it's, if it's not fuck yes, then it's fuck no. And like yeah. everything in my life right now, I just want it to be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Um, my choices are not crazy. What I want to do with my life is not crazy. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. Like, I don't want to sound like the narcissist here, but... I'm not fucked up. I'm, you know, I'll make it through this in spite of what's been done to me, in spite of my circumstances, we'll find it to the other side. And now, not only that, but think of how many other lives you're able to touch and make positive by what you know now. Yeah. And just you creating this podcast, the, all the listeners you've had, the random people have reached out to you about it. You know, that's a lot of positive messages we're getting out there now. Yeah, man. And, and for we went now. Yeah. And, and you know what the funny thing is, is like I've said this many times on this podcast, we feel like when we're in it, we're the only people in the world. And like that was a big reason why I started this podcast is like, holy shit, look at all these people out here that like just in this conversation that you and I have had in the last hour, I'm going, oh, my God, like my heart's pumping only because I, I can empathize and I can sympathize both at the same time. You know, like I, I legitimately feel it and I'm, I'm sorry for what you went through, but. I tangibly, viscerally feel it in my gut, and it's 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 hard to um, negotiate. It's hard to rectify with yourself, but at a certain point, you, you see, you know, there's just a bigger picture out there, and um, we're not our past, and, and we can move on. And 
I want to make the rest of my life the best of my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not over. It's not over. And um, this very well could be my prime, damn it. <laughs> yeah. It is a prime. I hope so. Yeah, it is a prime. Not could be. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Well, these boundaries, I hope, are. Anyway, Kevin, thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, I was really excited. And thank you for reaching out to me a few episodes ago when you said you want to speak some acceptance into me because I've had a pretty good week ever since talking to you. I think, um, you know, hearing your story, it's a story about growth. It's a story about sticking up for yourself and about acceptance. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you're making it through. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So no problem. So everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you to Kevin. And uh, until next time, everybody.